0: just really having a genuine interest in people and what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go. Being curious about what other colleagues are interested in doing and where where they see themselves going. And Some people didn't like me asking questions.
1: This is Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come choose to be curious with us. In recent years, researchers in behavioral science have written a lot about the idea that small interventions can have important impacts on well-being. It's research that excites me and presumably others that maybe we can really make changes happen in our lives in positive ways. But Many of those findings have also attracted a good deal of skepticism, with concerns that the improvements may be smaller than claimed or not have happened at all. And now, one of the headliners in the field, Francesca Gino at Harvard Business School, has been accused of fabricating data, of doctoring her results, and has been placed on administrative leave. Ironically, the research in question had to do with how to elicit honest behavior. Think about that. For a minute. So, why am I telling you this? Well, Francesca Gino also happened to author a Harvard Business Review cover story called The Business Case for Curiosity, which, under other circumstances, I would have been citing liberally for today's show. As far as I know, her curiosity work has not yet been found to be fraudulent. But just in case, here's what I'm going to do I want to share some of her findings as Hypotheses might be true, might not, don't really know, but we can use it as a springboard for discussion. For instance, Gino has written that when our curiosity is triggered, we're less likely to fall prey to confirmation bias, looking for information that supports our beliefs rather than for evidence suggesting we're wrong, or to stereotyping people. That encouraging people to be curious generates workplace improvements. And the curiosity encourages members of a group to put themselves in one another's shoes and take an interest in another's ideas rather than focus only on their own perspective. That causes them to work together more effectively and smoothly. Conflicts are less heated and groups achieve better results. That all sounds really good, right? You can see why I take an interest. So we'll put these assertions to another form. Of test. We'll test them against real-life executive leadership. I first got interested in curiosity as a management tool in my role as Chief Operating Officer at NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, a national grassroots nonprofit organization. NAMI had about 80 employees and nearly a 1,000 volunteer-led affiliates when I was there, and it was basically my job to know everything. But I became more and more convinced that I was better at my role if I didn't know everything and came at the work with curiosity instead. So I made myself a student of the subject, and I've been studying it ever since. I've long wanted to interview someone in a comparable role about how they see curiosity contributing to their work. And today, I have my chance. Helen Chamberlain is a nonprofit executive with extensive background in highly regulated nonprofit trade associations, education foundations, and performance art nonprofits. She's now executive director at the Rehoboth Beach Film Society in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, home to the award winning Rehoboth Beach Independent Film Festival. Full disclosure I'm a member of the Film Society, a fan of the Film Festival, and an unapologetic admirer of anyone who takes on a leadership role in an arts organization. And I'm delighted to have Helen join me today. So welcome, Helen. Thank you so much for having me, Lynn. I'm really excited about this. So congratulations on the Film Society's 25th anniversary. That is no small accomplishment. I'm riding
0: on the staying power of many decisions by executives prior to me, and I'm really
1: grateful to have this opportunity. That's very fun. It's a fun place to be. I think I was inspired, at least in part, to reach out to you because film is such a rich way for us to explore our curiosity. I mean, just as a subject area, your role, even notwithstanding. And you've got a background in producing films and documentaries yourself and getting audiences to see films. That sounds like a wonderful curiosity adventure in and of itself.
0: Yes, that was a, a labor of love, being able to do that and evolve in that role inside uh, Washington, D.C., which is obviously a very big policy epicenter with a tremendous amount of well-educated people. And I always said I had the best Hollywood job in D.C., <laughs> only, only second to Jack Valenti over at NPAA, the late
1: Jack Valenti. So. <laughs> and do you think Curiosity has contributed to the Film Society's longevity? Because it's a brave little enterprise in a much smaller community.
0: I think so. I, th- I think that the community and the business partners that came together to help achieve the objective of bringing people back to the town in the fall after you know the summer season. I think that commonality really drove the success through the partnerships uh, that they, they forged. You know, we all have the capacity to be curious, whether you're left or right in your thinking. And I was just so fortunate growing up that, you know, I went to Montessori school in the early 60s. That wasn't oh, a big Oh, and that's thing. a place
1: that really emphasizes curiosity.
0: Oh, tactile experiences, no, no chairs, you just move around the room. And now, of course, when I went to public school a little later, they weren't happy about that. (laughs) But I had a grandmother who was an artist. And from a very young age, I was
1: always making stuff with her. We always were doing things and making projects. And do you see yourself kind of carrying some of those Montessori practices into your professional life? Have you managed to do that in some way? Yeah, I mean,
0: I was successful at moving around siloed organizations where you just stayed in your department. I've transitioned to three different departments in my one trade association. Um, yeah, yeah. So the answer is yes. Curiosity, asking questions. Some people didn't like me asking questions. Being curious about what other colleagues are interested in doing and where where they see themselves going, and you know. I just think it, you know, just really having a genuine interest in people and what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go.
1: So when I asked you to have a conversation about curiosity, what first came to mind? Because it's, it often comes out of the blue when I ask people to do this, probably did for you.
0: Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too off. I always say that, you know, you have to truly be interested and just have a a general interest in the way things work like the life learner lifelong learner so curiosity is something that is, surrounds me and so it wasn't it wasn't that off color to ask me about that so
1: so francesco gino many others as well so i'm thinking that this research probably holds up have said that curiosity generates empathy and it's easy to see how that kind of plays into the film work. Do you see that working from your seat as an executive of any kind of an organization? I mean, you were with Bowen and Macaulay Dance previously. You've worn a lot of different hats over the years. Does that research assertion hold up? And if so, how? It does when you look at executives
0: and people that arrive at the workplace, they come in with their educational backgrounds, their life experiences, and a lot of preconceived notions about the way things should work. Um, And they don't ask, they don't tend to want to ask questions. They tend to want to forge forward and lead through these ideas that they may have, or even that have been shared with them by upper management. And they don't take the time to just be a little curious and ask a few questions about the people around the table. Empathy is a, a, empathy is a rare, t- it's, it's gold and you, yeah. have to ha- you have to have that. And I think that became even more prevalent with the rise of the internet and these mass markets and creating all of this incredible technology and hardware. But you'd put them in a room with 40 people that they managed and they, they didn't know how to talk to them much less relate to them and it created a lot of hiccups and problems for the human re- resource community in terms of how you get these people to play nice in the sandbox
1: yeah it is a skill it can be taught it can be learned it can be honed and you know, we talked a moment ago about this transition from a from a founding leader and i'm wondering you know how curiosity might have helped you and the film society make the transition From founding leadership to your role? Do you think it's played a role in some way?
0: Yeah, I think so. It's always easier to come in and look at a legacy and see, okay, that's not working, this works. The feedback that you get, just observing the engagement in the different areas. You know, I had an opportunity to work with the executive director who was retiring, Sue Early, for about two and a half months. So nice. Yeah. Very rare. Yeah. 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 I sort of watched her engage and patrons are really good at giving feedback. So it was much easier to, to take sort of her, her tenure there. I think she'd been there for approximately 20 years and sort of look at the market today, which, you know, the new ideas, right? Look at what's going on now, look at the pandemic and then look at what we're doing here so it made it really easy to make some necessary shifts which were really driven by the market
1: uh-huh so that's a place where you had to be curious too i mean Very this curious. is sort of your your marketing market hat coming on unpack that a little bit if you will i mean like what did you get curious about in order to understand your market because it's a it's a really seasonal market it's a pretty segmented market maybe i don't know talk to me about that You know,
0: it is a segmented market. The challenge was we weren't segmenting.
1: Ah, That was the
0: first thing I saw. (laughs) Um, You know, we have all of these terrific patrons that really came on board and were attracted to the society with the launch of the Independent Film Festival. Midway Theaters did a great job of supporting that and lifting that, that program, that festival up and putting the society on the map. That legacy and that group of groundswell of people fabulous and they're still with us but there was nothing coming in the pipeline in terms of patrons that are potential patrons that are moving here which we have massive development people that have lived here all their lives i i didn't know that you exist what you have a you'll have an art house what's that and there was a pandemic for two years you know so really start okay, we need to connect to these new audiences. And what excited me most about the job was that there are new audiences here. Yeah, I mean, the development west of Coastal Highway is phenomenal. Like it or not, these people are here and they're coming from the Northeast. They're coming from points west. These are people that are coming from major inner cities. They're used to a certain standard of living, arts, culture. I mean, what's... Where's the difficulty? The difficulty is just making the connection to them. And that's not hard. So now we've hit a pandemic and people have, have embraced video streaming, but just as many have not. Now you're forced into your home and you either it either reinforced your video streaming habits or it required you to learn how to video stream. If you wanted to take your yoga class,
1: or anything, anything.
0: Yeah. So now we come out of it and people are tired of being in their homes and they want to be outside and they want to engage and, you know, human nature is to connect with people. So unpacking that for me was really simple. We have to take a one-way cinema experience that has been shunned because of a pandemic, and we have to create an interactive means for community. And we have to start focusing more energy on taking that one-way experience and making it a two-way experience for people.
1: Which is a radical transformation of the movie going experience, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the movie going experience is a very particular experience and now it's radically different. And what are you curious about what happens to it next?
0: I think it's like any other industry uh, I think that it can coexist with video streaming or, or all of the other content we have out there. I think what's in the future for film is if they can stay true to the art form and that's the beauty of the Indies because Indies are not traditional distributed films by Hollywood. They're distributed in part by smaller companies or you know uh, grant funding for marketing. So they're like the, scrappy <laughs> redheaded stepchildren, which I love by the way. Um, so they're continuing to evolve and create a phenomenal film and thought provoking content. So I think that if we can continue to create that cute community experience for them, whether it's watching a film on the beach, uh, coming inside, like to our theater and something interactive, you know, the first interactive feature was obviously uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and, you know, and that goes, that goes back to the 70s, creating those opportunities to bring people together, little contests like we did a New Year's Eve party it was a big lebowski which was coming up on a big anniversary and you know we had a best robe or bowling shirt contest and we we served white russians and i mean we sold out and and we produced that that event in like i want to say 15 days
1: you're listening to choose to be curious conversations about curiosity and work and life I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and my guest today is Helen Chamberlain, Executive Director of the Rehoboth Beach Film Society. I'm finally getting my chance to talk with another executive leader about how curiosity contributes to their work. You're you're definitely providing some lived experience evidence for Gino's research about innovation, empathy, workplace improvements even, it sounds like. What about something like... I don't know. What about something like conflict resolution? Now, maybe you don't want to talk about it in your current situation, but maybe in the past, (laughs) curiosity and conflict resolution. Connection? No connection? What's been your experience?
0: Well, conflict resolution is tough in general for the female gender. I mean, let's be honest. When we were growing up 60s, 50s, 60s, I can clearly remember my mother or my grandmother being being told that, you know, digging in and standing up for yourself or not maybe going along with what someone politely wants you to do is just ugly. It's not good. Uh, so, you know, you have an entire gender of women that come into the workplace with these incredible degrees and accomplishments. And then some some person just creates mayhem and they sort of freeze. It's like, what, what do I do? You know, being a right side brain person, a creative person, the tendency is to be emotionally thought provoking, nonverbal, adventurous, impulsive. So I use comedy to deal with conflict resolution. And I don't mean it in a way that's trivial or um, demeaning, but when someone comes at me first, I sort of, okay, hope, just a second, okay, so let me get this straight. And you know, use active listening too. Try to understand, so do you really mean the words that are coming out of your mouth? Or is this something else? You kind of try to use a little bit of levity to sort of de-escalate this conflict but women have learned that when you're pushed to the to the back, at some point, it's like, you know, the nonverbal hand goes up and it's like, okay, listen, we need to bring this down a couple notches. Okay. Obviously you're upset. Let's take a break here and let's come back. Let's revisit this. You know,
1: you've just kind of rattled off what I would call a whole series of curiosity practices. One of them just being to kind of slow down, all right, slow down, de-escalate, create room for oxygen around the conflict. I I mean, not everybody would call that a curiosity practice, but I think what it does is it allows room for new information or even just the asking sort of like, help me understand, you know, back it up a little bit. What went into that? Are there other practices that you've cultivated that I might call curiosity practices that you think of as using curiosity in your work? So, When people
0: are like struggling, it's sort of like, well, where is it you're trying to go? You know, sort of, I wouldn't say it's storyboarding, but it's, it's walking through the steps of you seem to be stuck around this, but where ultimately are you trying to get to? Just try again to use communication flow and active listening to get people to sort of, okay, we appreciate that you're stuck here in A. Is that really a priority? Maybe we should look at something a little different. What, what is working and what do you need to do to make this work? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I actually want to build on what you just said about working what's not working and your experience with team building and curiosity as a tool for team building. Any stories or insights from that?
0: so when you work in the nonprofit industry, especially in the last 20 years, those organizations are very flat. And I suspect in a lot of corporations, they're definitely flattened out and, and centralized operations. You're most likely working with your your entire team, at least in the small to mid-sized nonprofits. So when we come to the table, it's interesting to look at people and watch the nonverbal skills. And you can have somebody who sits there and doesn't say anything, but they can have some of the best ideas if they would just talk. Those are people that don't want to be put on the spot. And then you have people have ideas too and love to engage like me. So I just try to tease them out a little bit more one-on-one. Some of them prefer email, but, you know, what are your thoughts? So I've watched this staff over the course of a year. I also had to build, rebuild the staff. We really didn't have staff when I got here. The executive director was trying to come out of a pandemic, So I had the opportunity to sort of select some people that were part-timers, that I moved into full-time positions. I hired a new full-time person and just sort of reconfigured things. And they really have over the year, they've really evolved. I mean, they're very open. They're very creating the transparency and creating a weekly opportunity to gather and talk.
1: So that's team building at an even more fundamental level. I mean, you are literally bringing the bodies in to build a team and looking around you and like what are the skills that we need what are the skills that we have how do we how do how do we help one another sort of leverage and elevate that's a fun thing to do yeah and i'll tell you
0: the example i would give you on on us coming through to a point where the creativity has really gelled the team is that <laughs> in may i presented to the board the suggestion that we should really sell our home. The society has operated in a home and they've been there for 17 years.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: And when I got there, I felt like I was in my grandmother's house because they had 25 years worth of stuff in this home. And a lot of it was cool stuff that wasn't even really being used. So one of our theater managers, very artistic. So I was like, have at it so she was able to take th- uh just repurpose things and create these beautiful sculptures and film related stuff at our theater and has done a terrific job of converting our theater lobby into more of a art house and less of a sterile clean no seating environment
1: oh oh now see i'm excited to come visit i haven't been there since that happened you have yeah to. yeah you yeah. have to So I got the board to vote to
0: approve selling the house. So I turned to my staff and said, guess what? We're going to move. And they're looking at me and they're like, that's so exciting. Now we have to clean out this house. <laughs> they were really great sports about it. And I just kept communicating to them and making sure they understand what the board's intentions are, not just with the move, but in general, making sure they have opportunities to engage with the board. They'd never met board of directors before. They moved through it and, and they there was like no complaints. And I mean, it was a huge undertaking moving out of that house. Uh, and then moving your workspace to another environment and having to make concessions, so it, it went That's really great. well. Well,
1: congratulations on that, and just in time for this twenty fifth anniversary celebration. That's cool. That's absolutely. Cool. Before I let you go, are you game for my big jar of wannabe analogies? Yes, I am. Okay, okay. So here it is: literal big jar full of uh, slips of paper. I'm going to take out three: one for you, one for me, one for audience, and we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever. Is on these slips and... <laughs> okay. Yours is mustard. How is curiosity like mustard? And mine is a doormat. How is curiosity like a doormat? Do you want to go first or you want me to give it a shot? <laughs> a okay. doormat. Yeah, I really... You get to go first. Uh, okay. A doormat. Um, hmm. I'm going to say... Curiosity is like a doormat because it's um, something that you have to come across before you sort of open into something new. You know, you're going into new territory. You cross a doormat, one direction or another. That's that's how it's like curiosity. Wow. So Lynn. how is curiosity Lynn, like that's- mustard?
0: <laughs> Lynn, that was so deep, Lynn. <laughs> I'm stuck on the fact that how does a mustard seed turn that vibrant yellow color? Ah. I mean, think about it. It's a seed and it takes how many of those seeds to make this yellow color? And then the thickness of it is very curious to me. You know, they talk about the must seed mustard seed is the seed of life. Really? That's very curious that little seed <laughs> turns yellow and the analogy is is that I think that you can pretty much be anything you want to be.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right, right. That itty bitty little seed. Mm-hmm. We do something to it and like color happens, taste happens. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Very nice. Very nice. And audience, yours is knitting socks. How is curiosity like knitting socks? Let us know on social media. Hashtag analogy. Well, Helen, thank you. So much for this. And I'm really excited to come check out the new lobby with all of the, it sounds like it's a museum now.
0: Kind of going for like the library feel, you yeah. know? Like, like you're in a library. We encourage you to sit and look at some of our past books on Hollywood, books, uh, our catalogs from our independent film festivals of past. And I really hope that your listeners and, and you, especially, Lynn, come and, and participate this year in our independent film festival. 25th 25th silver screen anniversary November 8th through the 12th
1: Cool, cool And I will include links to that on, on my website Just expect some great things from us
0: In terms of programming And, and uh, experiential Interactive engagement we, we really want to support Culturally support Our community Existing community and it's burgeoning Expansion through the art of cinema So we really hope you'll come and see us
1: You've been listening to Choose to be Curious. I'm Lynn Borden. I've enjoyed being your host today. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to support the community radio that brings you this and so many other great programs. You can find all my shows on my website, choosetobecurious.com. Hope you'll follow me here, there, and on social media at Choose to be Curious, where you can share your knitting socks analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Helen Chamberlain. Links to Rehoboth Beach Film Society on my website. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And this is Jog to the Water by Duck Lake via Blue Dot Sessions. So Helen talked a lot about active listening as a curiosity practice that she has brought everywhere she's been. How do you engage in active listening? Where do you see it happening? I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then choose to be curious.